Hello, and welcome back to the F1 Runoff Area Podcast. I'm Amir. And I'm Charles. In today's episode, we are going to recap qualifying from the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and preview tomorrow's race. So, Charles, maybe I'll start us off just with a couple of the big headlines. First, Sergio Perez qualifying on pole position for Red Bull. It's his first time in his 11-year F1 career that he's ever qualified on pole. Wow, yeah. We were a bit surprised that he didn't get one or two last year, but I don't think anyone expected (laughs) this quite today. Did not see that one coming. And then on the, uh, the other end of the spectrum of surprises, Hamilton for Mercedes not making it out of Q1. It's almost bizarro world. Yeah, really. For the first time, what, since 2017? Since 2017, and that was because of a crash. Yeah, so I wonder what, how long it's been since he didn't make it out of Q1 based on pure pace alone. Right. You know, not no rain, no inclement weather, just dry, conditions are good, we're just not quick enough. Yeah, pretty crazy. The seven-time F1 champion will start tomorrow's race at P16. Um, so let's look at the top five. As we mentioned, Perez on pole position and the two Ferraris, second and third. You've got Leclerc just quarter of a tenth behind Perez. Uh, And then Science, third, two tenths off of Perez's pace. Verstappen, the other Red Bull, he's a quarter second behind uh, his teammate uh, Perez. And then Ocon in the Alpine taking P5, but pretty well off of Perez's pace, about nine tenths back. And it's tight between the top four. I think Leclerc was only two and a half hundredths off of pole. And then, of course, Sainz was about two tenths off of pole. And then Verstappen was only like a little less than, I think, six hundredths off of Sainz. So, I mean, nothing in between the top four. Yeah, super tight. Uh, So hopefully that makes for some great racing tomorrow. So that's the top five. Red Bull has to be happy with the one and four, although probably not exactly... uh, the way they expected it. Yeah, you got to expect Verstappen's going to be pretty aggressive tomorrow. That'll be one thing to watch at the start, see if he tries to make up some of those spots right away. Perez looked like he almost damaged his car. He high-sided a curb, I think, on the first run in Q3. There was some speculation that Perez's car was damaged, but I guess not because yeah. then he went and put it on pole in the next run. Like you said, his first pole ever, slower in all three practice sessions uh, than Verstappen. Hmm. but goes out and bangs out a great lap and uh, puts it on pole. Maybe the bottoming out on the curb changed the ground effects enough to eliminate the porpoising or somehow. <laughs> Cut a little channel on the bottom of that floor and right. gave it a little extra. And then Ferrari looks right there. You know, Leclerc's, I mean, nothing between uh, first and second. We'll see if we get as good a racing tomorrow as qualifying gave us. But it really looks pretty tight between the, the top two teams. Red Bull, Ferrari, Ferrari... I think from last race, we thought they had a little bit of an edge. We'll see uh, if that's the case. You almost you want to say that maybe Red Bull has the edge because Perez is the one in front, but I don't think that's the case. I think Perez just had an excellent lap today and just got it done. Um, and I think yeah. Verstappen was probably a little bit a little bit off, but either way, you got to give it to Perez. He put it down, and he deserves it. And so I guess right now you want to say Red Bull's got – it's moved a little bit in Red Bull's favor, mm-hmm. but we'll see tomorrow. Yeah. And it, it seems like this is a hard uh, circuit to pass on. Um, I don't quite remember from last year what the passing was like, but it just puts a premium on track position. It's going to be hard for Verstappen to make his way through both of those Ferraris, I would think. He's certainly up to it, but it's not going to be easy on this circuit. 
Street circuit, it's tight, harder to pass. This does have some long straights. We'll see if that makes the difference. I mean, last year there was, a, I think, a big concern about passing. And, of course, we had the you know controversies over whether or not the race was safe. But there was still, I think we did see some action. So, so Ferrari split between the Red Bulls. This one was a little bit normal, right? The order, Leclerc ahead of Sainz. Mm-hmm. That's about what we expect. A couple tenths between them almost. Again, about what we expect. So this is bizarro world today, but not for these guys. Right. We got a little bit of an explanation from Sainz about the gap between him and Leclerc. Apparently, he thinks he has a better feel right now on used tires, at least on the softs. Hmm. So he, in the first run, he actually used used tires in the first run of Q3. Just like last week, after the first run in Q3, he was on pole, but couldn't keep pole after the second run. He had used a used tire in that first run in Q3 and then went to a new tire for the second run, and that's where he felt like he didn't have any any grip, uh, particularly in the rear. So Sainz, not quite up to speed on the new tire. We'll see if he can adjust his setup a little bit and get more comfortable in the races ahead on the new tire because that's got to be a disadvantage. He puts on a great lap, but on the, on the used tire, he's not going to quite have as much grip as that first magical lap on the, on the new rubber. Mm-hmm. It, is, it does feel like science is on the cusp of, of kind of surprising us a little bit. Like he, he, he doesn't seem quite happy with everything, but he's right up there, right up front. P2 last week, I mean, it was sort of a P3. Um, and then here just, you know, what, two tenths off pole. Um, and he's still just, it feels like he's still figuring things out. Maybe all the drivers kind of feel that way, but maybe he's more vocal about it, but, uh, but we'll see. He definitely has been, been more vocal about it saying that he just doesn't quite have the feel that he wants in the car. Yeah. You got to think if he puts that, that together, just that last little bit gets the feel he wants, can really do a proper lap on new tires instead of, uh, you know, having the comfort on the used tires you got to think maybe that's that's not that like you said that's not that big of a gap and he could close that maybe now you know it's possible Leclerc's not 100 up to speed either maybe he's not completely yeah. comfortable but he seems to be complaining less about it and more comfortable than science so yeah we could see science close that gap but we'll, we'll see and then you'd think we'd go from there to Mercedes in the uh, typical order of things but this week we're talking about Alpine first because Ocon comes in P5 and Alonso uh, P7. So great showing for Alpine. Yeah, it's really tight in the midfield, and that's a, a great result for Alpine. But Mercedes, Alpine, Alpha, Romeo, Alphatari, Haas, they all look like they're vying for that third spot right now. Mm-hmm. That's five teams. The loser in that five could be the seventh fastest team this year. We hope, of course, that Alpha and Haas can keep up their good showing, but it's easy to kind of forget how well Alpine's been doing, but this is a, a bit of a reminder that they're they're right up there in the fight, at least in the midfield. Yeah. And then we move on to Mercedes, P6 for Russell. Hamilton, as we mentioned, P16. Just shocking. I know you've been excited all season to see Russell and Hamilton going at it, but this is not uh, the kind of matchup uh, you're talking about. It's hard to reconcile because Russell makes it into Q3. You know, it's not like he was 10th in Q3 either. I just sort of was at a, a loss for what's going on. I, and I looked at some of Hamilton's comments, and apparently Mercedes is really still struggling with the porpoising. Mm-hmm. And I gather they went in some setup routes that, to try to help that. And Hamilton said after, I think, free practice three, he thought they had made some progress. 
He said he didn't know if they went a little too far when they extended that setup from free practice three in the qualifying. Yeah, but he just said that the car was undrivable. He said so nervous, a uh, very nervous car, very difficult to drive fast. Only ends up a tenth and a half in front of Albon and the Williams. That's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know if Hamilton and Russell had different setups and had different had gone different ways, and that explains a bit the discrepancy between them. But Hamilton's got the same car he had for qualifying for tomorrow, so it's not going to help him at least this week to switch to Russell's setup. It's interesting. I mean, in P2, Hamilton did a 30.5. In P3, he did a 30.7. And then he can only do a 30.3 in Q1. The pace really didn't pick up at all. I mean, a couple tenths from, you know, from the practice sessions. Hmm. You would have expected to see a bigger jump. And I think pole was like a low 28, right? So he was two seconds slower, albeit in a different session. Mm-hmm. But he clearly was pushing pretty hard. If they, had, if they could turn everything up, they would have by that point. Yeah. Because he didn't want to miss, miss out on Q2. Both Mercedes drivers did have to switch from the medium to the softs in Q1 to try to make it into Q2. So that shows that they were they were they were trying, but he just didn't have just didn't have the pace. Yeah, so nervous. Uh, he said the car was undrivable, and it was just so nervous. And a nervous car, you know, you got to have confidence that the car is going to do what you want when you turn that wheel. And a nervous car, particularly in the high speed stuff and at a street course. You know, really hard to push and attack with a nervous car. A nervous car can actually be some of the the fastest cars because they really rotate. But (laughs) things happen so fast in Formula One, a tight circuit like this, I can imagine a nervous car would be a handful. And when you factor in the porpoising, you know, yeah, undrivable. Hamilton probably didn't have much of a chance today. But, you know, what's, you know, why did Russell? Yeah, as you said, it must have been. There must be different setups going on uh, between Russell and Hamilton because it's clearly not a driver uh, skill issue. One would not think that that it's just so anomalous to see Hamilton in P sixteen. It's it's clearly something with the setup. And Mercedes still struggling with the porpoising. Yeah, I haven't heard a whole lot of teams still talking about that in that much detail, but yeah, Mercedes is is still struggling. And then we turn to Alfa Romeo. Uh, Botas P8, right behind uh, Alonzo in P7. And then Joe, uh, P13. So he made it into Q2 in his second race, the rookie. A little closer between them, yeah. Botas holding the flag, keeping Alfa Romeo up there in that uh, midfield fight or that fight for third third position. Good good qualifying, I think, for, for Alfa. Yeah, it's... it's Interesting. It feels like it's a really good fit for Botas and Alpha. You just get the sense like it's just a good, they got a good thing going over there uh, with Botas able to bring them up in the field. And he's the clear number one on the team, which I think makes him more comfortable and uh, able to mentor uh, the rookie along the way. So we'll keep watching Alpha. And again, of course, who would have expected that Botas, after losing his Mercedes seat, would out-qualify Hamilton at the second race of the next season? Yeah, that's pretty wild. So turning to AlphaTauri, behind Botas in P8, you have Gasly in P9, and Tsunoda had a technical issue. They said mm-hmm. it was fuel-related, so he didn't, any, didn't set any time in qualifying. So he'll start um, last, 20th on the grid tomorrow. I'm not sure if the fuel-related issues, if they said, if they were related to the same thing that happened to all the Red Bull engines, Mm, (laughs) um, all the Honda engines uh, in Bahrain, all the failures, but they did say it was a fuel-related issue. I think Sonoda said he didn't didn't know at the time, and I haven't seen if there's been any update on it. But yeah, that's a disappointment for them. But Gasly, uh, 
holding them up in the new midfield and that fight for third third place in the constructors. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to Haas, uh, behind Gasly and P9, you've got Magnussen and P10, and then Schumacher, well, he qualified P14, but um, had a very scary wreck in Q2. And so they have a lot of work to do to try to get the car ready for tomorrow. And he, the medical reports suggest he's okay. So it sounds like he'll be fit to race if, if they can get the car together. But that was a scary minute. Yeah, I think they said it was he was taken to the hospital for precautionary uh, checks. But, I mean, a big hit. Yeah, scary. I think I let out a, oh, when that happened. Mm. He did set a time in Q2, though, before he crashed. I think he must have completed his first run. Because near the end of Q2, even after the red flag, and he was you know probably on his way to the hospital, he was still in the top 10. And I thought for a minute mm-hmm. there he might make Q3. But it was interesting when they hoisted the car up, you know, they showed them picking the car up and getting it off the track during the red flag period. And the gearbox, the back half of the car just fell off. Yeah. Uh, the gearbox that. fell off. Not the not the whole back half. The engine stayed attached, but the gearbox just popped off. And that it looked like even the, the side pods and the bodyworks are just jaggedly separated. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and lots of damage to that car. That I mean, that car is obviously a write-off. Yeah. I mean, is it really possible for them to put that car together? I mean, we saw how destroyed it was. I mean, can they, how much of that car has to be the car that starts the race or can they bring in? A oh, new... I'm, they, I'm sure at this point with, after the wreck, they can bring in whatever they need. And then you uh, just start at the car, back yeah. of the grid. I don't know if the tub was damaged. You know, the tub might be salvageable, but obviously they're going to have to rebuild the entire car up around the tub. So for like this weekend, it might be if they have a third, I don't know if teams still carry third spare cars with them or not, but they probably, at least in some form, do. It probably is quicker to build that up than it is to repair this one because they'll want to do yeah. checks, too, on the tub to make sure it's not cracked. Right. The tub being the frame core, basically? Yeah, the survival cell, basically the the cockpit, the everything that holds the drivers from the firewall um, forward. The firewall separates the engine, the back half of the car from the front half of the car. I think they, they pretty much call the tub a survival cell in Formula 1, mm-hmm. but it's a carbon fiber solitary single structure okay. that forms the... Yeah, the the tub or oh right the monocoque i think i've seen that uh, term to monocoque would be another term for it yeah. as well yeah okay and then uh magnuson with a p10 so magnuson continues to show off the new haas car um not quite where he was last week but you know strong uh, midfield showing for magnuson i think that might be explainable too this street circuit uh is difficult to just jump into and he had no experience on it you know the driver's other drivers had experience on it at least last season. And I think, didn't Magnuson lose time early in the weekend? Uh, didn't get a lot of practice time in for issues right. with the car. So very difficult with no practice time to get in qualifying and do well on this circuit. You're probably seeing Haas a little bit underrepresented this weekend mm-hmm. because of that fact. Yep, that makes sense. So McLaren, kind of anonymous again. Oh, yeah. Although... That's not really true for Norris. P11 is a big step forward, and I think shows maybe that McLaren is improving. The weird thing is, you looked at the practice times, and they don't really look like that. They don't really show that. I think Norris was seventh in P2, but besides that, they didn't show that well in practice. But in qualifying, 11th definitely looks like an improvement for McLaren, at least from the last race. Yeah, it's a fall off from where Norris was qualifying last year, uh, for sure. Uh, for Ricardo, you know, P12 is kind of about where he was most of the time, somewhere in there. 
uh, last season. He's only a tenth or so off of Norris, though, which I think is closer. I'm wondering if we're seeing Ricardo getting comfortable and closing that gap. It's just that the McLaren car doesn't look very good this year, at least not yet. This does show an improvement. 11th and 12th, yeah, that's that's definitely an improvement over, over last race. And I think with Ricardo being that close, shows a bit of an improvement there as well. Of course, Norris is still in front. We'll see if they can actually get in the points tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, this kind of brings up an issue that applies not only to McLaren, but the, the next two teams we'll talk about, Aston Martin and Williams, all are running the Mercedes power unit. Um, and it looks like at least part of the Mercedes struggles are attributable to the power unit. And maybe that's what's holding you know, McLaren uh, back as well, part of what's holding them back as well. Yeah, I think there definitely looks like there might be a, a slight disadvantage in horsepower uh, for the Mercedes engine. And that'll take us to Aston Martin, uh, Stroll, P15, and Hulkenberg, uh, P18. Vettel still out. I guess he didn't get the negative uh, COVID tests that he needed, so Hulkenberg sitting in for a second race here to start the season. Stroll at least made Q2, but it doesn't look good for Aston so far. They just seem to be kind of struggling. Yeah. And similar story with Williams, uh, Albon P17, Latifi P19, and he had a kind of a soft meeting with the wall um, yeah, in turn a, 13. That was a pretty high-speed swap. It looked like he just carried too much speed into the corner, and when he dialed the steering in, it, it just swapped ends. But yeah, it didn't not too hard of a hit, nothing like Schumacher's. You know, not a good qualifying session for Williams. If you said Albon was going to be one spot behind Hamilton... <laughs> That might look good, but yeah, when you really look at it, not a good day for Williams. Yeah. I'm just thinking now, two out of the, you had a vigorous defense of Latifi as not a pay driver. And um, now two, if we're going back to Abu Dhabi, two races out of three, um, and including the um, qualifying, he's had, uh, he's had trouble keeping the car on the track. I wasn't going to bring it up. You had to bring up my pay driver, yeah. I still don't think I'm wrong, so we will do a pay driver episode at some point where I will prove to the world why these guys are not pay drivers. Really, these days, I don't think pay drivers exist in Formula One, but they're all pay drivers. Let's put it that way. Yeah. They're all pay drivers. The money had to come from somewhere right. at some point. All right. Well, that will round out the starting grid. Let's talk about a couple other things uh, to look for in tomorrow's race. Uh, there are some track changes um, since last year. Um, mainly geared toward making the track a little safer. They've changed some of the turns and turn complexes a bit just to improve visibility uh, so the drivers can you know, see into the and maybe around the turns just a little better. Um, and then um, they've also widened the last turn where Verstappen hit the wall in qualifying last year. So again, helping uh, improve visibility, hopefully make for a safer race. Yeah, hopefully make some of the corners a little less blind so the drivers can see where they're going and see a little farther ahead of them. There's another safety issue that's popped up this week. I This has just blown my mind. I mean, there was a missile attack apparently within 10 yeah. miles or 10 miles away from the track, and right. obviously the drivers were very concerned. There was a huge meeting about it. I think they had like a four or six hour or some really long meeting where they finally – assured the drivers that everything was safe. Mm -hmm. And I think it was interesting, the comment that they put out was that, look, the government has assured us that safety is their highest priority, 
and that you know they're going to be there. Their family members are here at the race, so of course it's safe. When I hear the words missile, attack, and within 10 miles, I don't understand how they can assure their, everyone's safety. That just doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. You know? And when they said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that your first priority is safety. Tell me how you're going to prevent the missile from hitting us. Now, I'm no missile expert or missile defense expert, but as I understand it, like shooting down another missile isn't like a one-to-one thing. Like if 10 missiles come in, you might get five of them and the other five come in. So if they can get a missile 10 miles from the track, what's stopping them from getting into the track? Obviously, maybe they, know, they probably do know something that I don't know. I hope they do. Obviously, I hope that everything is safe and it appears that they're doing a good job and everything's run smoothly so far. But I just, you know, again, missile, attack, and within 10 miles, the, when your first comment is, we assure you safety is our highest priority, <laughs> I, think, I feel like I'm going to need a little more than that. Yeah. But they obviously explained more than that to the drivers because I don't think those guys would have gone ahead with it if they really thought there was a, a concern. So it appears mm-hmm. that I'm kind of probably overblowing it, but I just, again, missile, attack, within 10 miles. Those are words I never want to hear in the same sentence. Okay, well, hopefully, uh, no, we don't see any safety issues with the track or with incoming missiles uh, tomorrow, and then we all can just enjoy a nice, uh, uneventful race. Charles, uh, any predictions for the podium tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going to predict that Leclerc wins with Verstappen second, Sainz third, and Perez fourth. Basically Mm -hmm. how it should have ended last week if the failures hadn't happened, Mm -hmm. if the Red Bull failures hadn't happened. Say, Say it again? I think the order is going to sort itself out to its natural order. I believe Leclerc is going to pick up the win. I think Verstappen is going to be second. Sainz will be third. And Perez will be fourth. Okay. So you don't think Perez can hang on to that uh, pole position? Like I said, I think the natural order is just going to reassert itself. Yeah. I think one area where I could be wrong is the order of Leclerc and Verstappen. It's possible Verstappen comes out on top and Leclerc comes out second. Okay. I have a similar podium, but I'm going to mix it up a little, make a bold prediction. I'm going to say Sainz wins, Leclerc P2, and Verstappen P3, just to keep it interesting. So we seem to agree on Perez. Yes. But you think Sainz is going to put it together and topple Leclerc? I think so. I feel like Sainz is really like, he's kind of got the eye of the tiger thing going. Like he's, (laughs) he's locked in and just about there. It could happen. It could happen. um, So we'll see. All right. Well, that will do it for us today. Thank you for joining us on the F1 Runoff Area Podcast. Enjoy the race. <laughs>